don't, don't do, do. Welcome, welcome to, to deep, deep tracks, tracks only by walrus audio because i feel like the welcome is implied if you've clicked play yeah um there's it, some people implied. that click on things and they have no idea what they just clicked on what's a good example of that uh <laughs> so many <laughs> uh like when yeah when, what is a good example yeah like when my when family members get robbed on facebook marketplace Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a good example. <laughs> that's a good example. And I'm like, why did you read the verification code to that person uh, that they sent to your You have to email my aunt, though, and here's her email address. You yeah. Have, yeah, for this purchase am, of a boat. I did just inherit uh, $100 million from uh, some guy that told me I'm an heir. And so dude, I did give incredible. him on my bank account because it's like $100 million. Yeah, you got to get that in there. Dude, if I had $100 million, you know what I'd do? I'd spend it on something. <laughs> I just, I'd, I'd like vacation forever. Vacation. You would die. Your soul know, would die. That would be awful. You yeah. would be so sad. Yeah. Yeah. More money, more problems. You know what I mean? Like we spend our lives trying to acquire. And then once we acquire, we're trying to fire. The more problems we see. That is not the beat to that is song. That, this is what is came that out. Top Gun? <laughs> No, it's the it's the it's the Cisco hold music. Oh, it is. <laughs> you know, uh, there's a whole. I think it's either Radio Lab or This American Life that did a whole 30 minute episode on that song and the guy uh, that wrote it. And he, it was like it was a side project of his. And I think Cisco needed hold music, and so he just like uploaded it one of his side projects, and then he worked there. And he yes. just. <laughs> I don't think he makes any money from it, but it's like That's, one of the most played songs over, yeah. over the over the over the Virgo cluster. I mean, I'm pretty sure all the planets are using on yeah Cisco systems. It now. works. Uh, I mean, it's yeah. Yeah, I just had uh, an an artist come through named Andy Squires, uh-huh. and he stayed at my house with him and his family. They're on tour, and what a delightful gentleman he is. That's it, random. I love that. I, I, <laughs> Where did that come from? Well, it it comes from what I want to talk about oh, today. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, great guy. Love him. Go type it in. And good luck trying to spell Squires right the first time. You're not going to. Um, but he he writes tour diaries on Instagram, like what's going on on tour. And they're, he's, he's pretty funny. He's a lot like me. Like, he's hilarious. Uh and then, so he writes these tour diaries, and in one of the most recent tour diaries, post-Oklahoma City, he talked about uh, in Texas, the people that he stayed with in Texas have seen a, in the neighborhood, around, a Jaguarundi. Which is What's like, a Jaguarundi? Well, so it's like a small... I thought, that was, I thought that was a setup for a joke. No, what? it's not. It's like a small... You should You should Google image it, and if you're driving right now, listening to it, for sure, Google image it uh, on your phone, and then and then look it up. But and spell uh, it right. Yeah, it's it's Jaguar Undy. Oh, and and so I read this on his tour diary, and I started going down a, a big black hole on the Jaguar Undy. So it's compared to like a like a Puma or oh, that's cute. Uh, so cute, cute wouldn't be the first word that came out oh, of my mouth. The first look at this. That one's cute. That's that's a child. That is a cute but child. But this baby one, yeah, Jaguar this Andy. one is yeah, terrifying. Yeah, l- look at the eyes of this. Look at this guy, this Jaguar Andy. Look at that. 
Yeah. That is a scary cat. So, but he says that the neighbors say that it's friendly (laughs) or something like that, but I think they're only found in Mexico. So I was just, how big are these things? See, and I can't really tell by these photos. So let's let's just decide how big they are for the podcast. Like we can't figure this out. I think it's the size of this blue couch that you're sitting on. I I would say it's the size of a minivan. Dude, it, you're probably right. So that would be larger than a lion. Just full disclosure, which is the largest cat. Isn't the the lion the largest cat, isn't it? In the cat family? I could man, I couldn't tell you. It is. Let's just say it is. <laughs> Because it has to be. What is larger? What larger? Do you know of a larger cat than a lion? Uh, I feel like there's probably something in. Uh, you go to polar the bears are the biggest bears, right? <laughs> so I feel like there's probably a big cat. No, grizzly, uh, grizzlies are the biggest bears. Bigger than a polar bear? I'm pretty sure. Why don't you look that up? Gri- I think it goes grizzly, uh, Kodiak. Polar it's, bear. It's polar bear. Black bear. Oh, uh, like way bigger. Oh my gosh. That is such a big bear. You're right. It's humongous. I mean, it looks small. They're on bigger your, than it looks houses. small on your phone. <laughs> it looks really small on your phone though. <laughs> Look at that thing. Dude, that is, that is it. Everybody can see that. Yeah. If you're listening, we're looking up <laughs> images of polar bears next to humans and they are so big. Oh, the Wait. While the polar bear is the largest of the bear species, the Kodiak bear holds the title of the largest land predator. That is because the polar bear is technically classified as a marine mammal. Wow. So, so you're right, bears, and I'm right. Polar bears are fish. <laughs> Dude, I would hate to swim with a polar bear. Polar bear fish is a, such a good <laughs> band name. Oh my gosh, that should have been mine for today. Polar bear fish. Polar bear fish. Uh, I, I'd like to kind of go back on all these episodes and how many times do we end up talking about animals? We do a lot. Uh, animals are fascinating. The animal kingdom, like what other kingdom is more fascinating than the animal kingdom? I've got, I, I've got a Cooper's hawk in my backyard right now, a family of Cooper's hawks, and they have uh, two babies in a nest high up. And so it is really fun because they're very territorial, right? So the space 15 feet above us humans, I mean, it just doesn't belong to us. It It is, it is bird land. And there's, there's, do they die? Yeah. There's front yards, backyards, territory. They just, they have their yard in their mind. Oh man! And anybody who gets in their space, especially when they have younglings gets in trouble. So there's been a lot of bird fights in my backyard recently. Oh, you're talking about they getting yeah getting fights with other birds. But do they ever attack you or your kids? No, no, they That's stay good. they stay pretty chill. But I actually haven't thought about that until you said that. Well, there was a there was this a whole. This is a large bird. I'm talking. I'm the, this yeah. is. I mean, it's like a like when it's standing like tail to tail to head. I mean, it's like a it's like two feet two long, feet, eighteen wow. feet, two feet long. It's a big bird. I I remember big bird. playing disc golf and there's one hole from sesame street is a fish also he's a fish big bird fish fish. one of the rare bird fishes (laughs) go for it uh i used to play disc golf and there's a hole that that had a hawk and you throw that thing and it's gonna dive bomb not just your disc but you it's terrifying yeah it's yeah that that so don't think about that it is it is it is really (laughs) scary to be dive bombed at by a yeah, bird with a beak it's because just an arrow the beak is they travel fast and the oh. beak is very sharp yeah. dude stuff that's supposed to be sharp on animals <laughs> is very sharp 
like cat yeah. claws, teeth, like because in no one there's like non on rocks to keep that stuff sharp. Yeah. Like they are taking care of themselves. Yeah, you know, and we're just. <laughs> We're just lucky to not die. Here's, here's a question my kid asked the other day because he's obsessed with peregrine falcons because they're the fastest. I have a animal. peregrine falcon story. He he wanted to know if a peregrine falcon was going full speed right at you, would it go through you? <laughs> <laughs> and you can't Google that question and get an answer. Yeah, you I'm can't. Sure. Uh, it depends on which part of you. <laughs> yeah, it would true. be going through. And I, I think in dive bomb mode. Like, like 220, 230 miles 30, an hour. Yeah, 30 miles an hour. I think, I mean, if it was going through the gut, uh-huh. I think it would go right through you. Yeah. I mean, that is a that is a, that is a hard beak moving at 230 miles per hour, probably four or five pounds, you know? Yeah. Of just, uh, yeah. I think it would, I think it would go through you. The other question Rib was. cage, <laughs> head, I don't think it, I no. think it would, yeah, it'd have a tough time. Knee bone. Both would also die. Like the bird would die and you would die too. If it hit like a double pane glass window, is another question is, would it explode and shatter or would it break through um, and still be intact on the other side? Yeah. I mean, birds depends are on the glass, so light. Depends on the glass manufacturer, I think. Yeah. Is this bulletproof Pella, glass. Is this Pella glass or what is it? Yeah. Is this, yeah. Or micro bulletproof glass. Um, I was in Big Bend National Park and there was a section, there's a section called the Southern Rim and you hike the trail, you go there and then it's this, this beautiful top of this cliff and then it overlooks into Mexico and it's one of the most Sounds beautiful amazing. places I've ever seen in my life. Just the whole park in general, Big Bend National Park, which I think we talked about in the Slow Joy episode. I think we talked about it a couple times. times come up. Yeah. Uh, but it was closed for because of it was peregrine falcon mating season. Oh. And we decided to go past the sign anyway. And we're like, screw it. Like, I'm here. I drove all this way. It's mm-hmm. a very remote park you have to drive a very long way to get to this park i drove all the way here i'm gonna go see the southern rim so we go there and it was a mistake i mean i had never been so scared i mean they are dive bombing they are territorial they're like i think they're dive bombing me and and missing me on purpose to warn us you could have given us the answer to this question but they're not like they're not doing the 200 they're like going up two feet and like brushing your pack or hitting your like your side. And oh, they're hitting They're you. trying to they're get touching you, to you It's scared. I was scared. Oh. And so we, I took a couple pictures and then I, I got out of there because it was. That is terrifying. It was really terrifying. So, That's things you don't think about when you're stranded out in the middle of the forest, you know? Okay. So Once my band name first. today, uh, they're on tour with, um, dang it, you know, I've, they're on tour with somebody. I've already said that somebody else is on tour with. So, uh, let me pick who they're on tour with real quick. <laughs> you want me to go? Yeah, I do want you to go. <laughs> okay. My band today is Loom. That's a good band name. It is, isn't it? L U with the dash above it. M. Loom. Uh, <laughs> and thanks for listening to the show. That's Great, it, everybody. Huh? Yeah, it's real good, huh? Dead air, uh, you're dead. That was from too Olympia, much dead air. Olympia, Washington. Any beautiful places up there? Olympia, Washington? Uh-huh. Yeah, like Olympic I'm National just, Park. Just okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah <laughs> I was going to go to another national park. Yeah. Uh, they, they're grunge, kind of like Deftones. Okay. And they're out. <laughs> Wait, what's up? Nothing. You go. <laughs> you go. Uh, my band name today is War for Sport. Doesn't that sound heavy? That does. 
Yeah. War it for also sport. sounds a little too real. You yeah. Because that's the thing. Uh, War for Sport is on tour with Franz Ferdinand. So it's definitely like a like a post-punk, you know, Interpol kind of sound. Okay. You know. War for Sport. War I, for that sport. has to be a band name. Uh, speaking of War for Sport, we've got Stu Garrard on the show today. And he is... Uh, he it hails from Ipswich, but now uh, is based in Nashville. And he's a, a guitar player that I've been listening to, uh, not my whole life, but a large part of it, and has been really influential for a lot of people. He also, um, he is a tone smith. Uh-huh. So back in the day, we used to have blacksmiths, but now we've got tone smiths. Uh-huh. And he is a tone smith in a way where he is creating like IRs and like uh all this kind of stuff for tone junkie kimber amps uh like iridium maybe helix helix Uh settings acs1 uh and while also doing a large part of songwriting and i mean the dude is just really busy he is very but he doesn't look busy like he looks very relaxed he does and very charming very present but i can't imagine what's on his plate with all the stuff he's got going on so man but let's let him talk about it (laughs) so let's bring him on without further ado stoogee well hey welcome everybody today we've got stoogee and uh he's first going to tell us about how he came about that name because only the greatest guitarists have uh have icon names right (laughs) that's true so we've got slash We've got the edge, and we've got Stu G. And so, I, I bet I can figure and then it you, out. You go into you know you kind of branch out from guitar into other instrumentalists. So you've got Flea. You know what other uh-huh. what other instrumentalists have nicknames that that everybody is that everybody's okay I, You named with? the big one. Did I name the big ones? Did I do a good I job? Can't, I, Was yeah. I thorough? Was I thorough? You were thorough. Okay, good. That's all I wanted. I'll to bet hear. there's some more SZA. <laughs> that's just her name okay yeah that's, that's like, well if you go into pop stars i mean we could talk all day long uh okay so what you know profile yourself yeah. for us for someone who might not know who you are or what you're doing what in the world are you doing and why are you on this podcast today <laughs> the last question because you invited me and i otherwise yeah, yeah, I no, no idea, idea. <laughs> he wants to like lay the ground rules out like oh, i just want to be sure like i you know, but um uh, yeah, so uh, Stu G. Uh, so I, I, uh, most people would know me from uh, my time in a band called Delirious. So we had a uh, that was in the UK. You know, I used to live there, and uh, we had a seventeen-year run with Delirious, and um, we uh, so that it it was kind of like a rock band. Well, actually, so Delirious with a question mark, right? So people would mm-hmm. say are you a rock band or a worship band? And like, well, you know, the answer was yes, but we used to keep it, you know, a little bit mysterious with the, with the question mark. Cause sure. you know, in the UK there's, uh, there's not a huge kind of Christian music business. So, um, if we wanted to like be a band for a living a full time, like our music had to live in the space where everything else lived, which was on the high street, you know, and, yeah. and HMV and Virgin record stores and what have you. So, and on the radio. And so, um, we used to release uh, singles into the charts and, uh, uh, as well as 
playing churches and stuff and festivals. We uh, we toured with Bon Jovi. We um, played Glastonbury Festival. Uh, we had a number two in uh, on the radio in Germany. Did we you say five... Delirious toured with Bon Jovi? Yes, sir. When yeah. was that? Uh, 2001. Uh, we did a, a stadium tour of the UK. That's, uh, that's so great. I did not know that. Uh-huh. I did not know that. Did you get to do a thing where they, you know, they... They brought the opening band out to help shred on living on a prayer. You know, uh, I wish. No, they didn't. Like we did. <laughs> like get where to, everybody gets uh, in the mic and goes, "Whoa!" <laughs> they didn't do that. Yeah. So uh, they're, they're, we, they're, no, we we got a couple of stories though. One is uh, so we we got to meet them once. Mm-hmm. You know, we spent the whole tour thinking, "Oh no, there'll be yeah. an after show." That's how those tours go. That's what I hear. You know. You okay. know, and uh, we got to meet them once, and we just finished our set. And, uh, you know, we, we kind of were walked into their dressing room and it was very, very nice, you know, very, Mm -hmm. everything was very, they were very kind and very friendly and what have you. And, uh, but as we were leaving, they said, oh, have a great show. (laughs) And we'd already played. (laughs) 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 Uh, They also lived with earplugs in. The other story about that was that um, one of the one of the shows was on uh, uh, on the day of Martin. So Martin Smith was the lead singer of yeah. Delirious, and uh, he had a, he's got a sister, and she was getting married on one of the show days with Bon Jovi. And one of the things was, yeah, we'll do these shows if we can make this wedding. And like fly to the gig. Yeah. So uh, we, um, you know, our management uh, booked a helicopter to take us from the south coast yeah. to M- Milton wow. Keynes. You know, it was oh. going to be our, our queen live at Milton Keynes Milton moment Keynes, where we yeah. where we fly into the Milton Keynes Bowl um, on a helicopter, you know. Which is just north of London, isn't it? Like a Yeah, it's kind of in minutes? the Midlands a little okay, bit. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, so it's probably like an hour or so north north of London. Anyway, so we get in this helicopter and, you know, we're, we're kind of early, right? So he's like, okay, what I'm going to do is I'm going to land here and we're going to refuel and uh, so that we don't have to do that on the way back. Okay. So we land at this uh, airfield. I'm already stressed. And- and we refuel, and um, the helicopter won't start again. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> no. <laughs> so, basically, we have a, a helicopter that has failed, and uh, but thankfully, we were on the ground. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but we still had to get to the gig. So, um, our, our road manager, who's a legend, a guy called Ian Cattle, um, uh, one of the best people you could you could ever wish to know. Anyway, um, we basically had a police escort from the airfield to the gig, where they were like, you know, we were in a um, we were in a, a white police van, which is basically what they use to kind of take away hooligans from football <laughs> matches. Wow! Uh, <laughs> so and how long really, was that drive? Oh, I don't know. 30 minutes or so. I, I don't know. Something You're like so that. Cool. So we had, uh, <laughs> oh so we gosh. were in there. We, and the reason they put us in that van was because we had to get changed because we knew that we were going to have to get there and walk straight on stage. Right. So, uh, oh, wow. But 
the um uh, to get there and, and beat all the traffic lights and all the roundabouts and all the traffic, we had to have like this escort, this police escort. So there was like um, motor, police on motorbikes going in front and behind, stopping oh traffic. Wow. You know, it was like we were the president of America or something. That's amazing. But the police on motorbikes were going ahead and behind and they were uh, stopping the traffic and, uh, you know, letting us go through. And we, we, uh, arrived at the Milton Keynes Bowl behind stage, a little bit stressed, but we walked straight you? out onto the stage oh and uh, and did the show. No line checking or anything. I mean, no just, nothing. I no, mean, was no it line your check, no, was no. it your gear that was already set yeah. up? Yeah. Okay, so yeah. there's some yeah. still some familiarity. The crew were already there. But, oh, yeah. oh my gosh, whose wedding was this? Uh, this was Martin's sister. Okay, sister. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. A child that might not be appropriate, but listen, a sister, totally. Hey, I'm dropping yeah. in, I'm leaving. You know? <laughs> a child. A child. Uh, you can't you can't like just leave your child's wedding. Oh no, that's right. Okay. So yeah, so we so we were in that band, you know, and um, you know, we traveled the world doing all that kind of stuff. But so how why am I called Stu G? Um, is because there were two stews in the band. Oh. And um Stu Smith and, uh, and Stu Garrard and G was just easier and yeah. you know it's easier than saying my last name to be honest yeah. so uh, um, it's easy and for it was kind of cool I mean you know was it inspired by the Spice Girls probably <laughs> you got it yeah the- Mel C Mel B Stu G <laughs> Stu Smith there you go yeah Stu Smith oh, so, yes. th- okay so I think we are more familiar with the Spice Girls as Baby Spice, Scary Spice, Posh, Sporty Spice, like the whole thing. Keep going. Uh, oh, scary I Spice. Do, I said you, Scary Spice. You did? Okay. Scary Spice, Baby Spice, Sporty Spice, Posh, and uh, the ma- Ginger. Uh, ginger. Ginger. Oh, ginger. Yeah. Thank you. Which was yeah. my favorite. I, I was a big, I was yeah. a Ginger fan. Yeah. So, yeah. so yeah. Uh, Sporty Spice was Mel Melanie. And uh, uh, Scary Spice was also Melanie. So there was Mel B and Mel C. Okay. There's yeah. a lot of different opinions about this. Um, and everybody's got a different take. But why Why do you think, just in general, this is a big macro question. Why do you think the UK is just such a hotbed for, for pop music globally? I, I don't know. I, don't <laughs> I know. wish I that mean, you did. You know, we, <laughs> lost the, we lost the empire, you know. And so, I know. Uh, so maybe... It's, um, you know, I don't know, little country syndrome or something. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Wishing for something more, Maybe trying a bit harder. Maybe. No, yeah. I think I, I think partly it's that, um, you know, the English language is all around the world, right? So that's a head start. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I like what you said earlier. It's really, it's really similar to what happened in Japan after World War II, you know, because one of the in some of the peace treaties that they were, you know, forced to sign was that they couldn't they couldn't develop any uh, air like any aircraft or any like combat mm. aircraft things like that. So all the all these engineers went into uh, automotive designing automotives, oh. and so from that you that's why you've got like Toyota and yeah. Nissan and Honda and these like huge like 
like very high quality, like automotive manufacturers, because all these brains went from aerospace engineering and went into the automotive industry because they weren't allowed to do uh, aircraft for a certain amount of decades. I can't remember, but yeah, maybe that's the same thing. Maybe that's what happened yeah, in the maybe. UK with, uh, <laughs> yeah. with, with, with rock and roll and pop music, yeah. <laughs> things like that. Okay. That's so great. Delirious is a, is a really interesting um, band because uh, like, I, like the bands that I'm talking about, uh, there was a lot of intentionality uh, about like appropriate and digestible creativity, uh, I think, in the writing process for, for Delirious, where is like, you know, I think, um, you know, kind of in the, in the Christian gospel uh, music genre, um, you know, a lot of it starts with a song and then sometimes people just kind of, you know, it's like, it's like kind of what happens in Nashville with most things. It's like, there's a good song and then they put some awesome instrumentalist to it. And then all of a sudden you've got this really beautiful sounding smooth song, which is not the way of delirious, you know? Mm. Um, I mean, you even listen to the live records, you listen to some of the studio records. There's a lot of, of creativity. What was the writing process like and who was driving a lot of that vision or was it like collective vision or what's mm. going on there? Yeah. So that, there was a collective vision in, in, in that the, you know, what made Delirious as a band was the fact that there was five different people, you know, um, in terms of the creative, like writing aspect, that was mainly Martin and I, mm -hmm. um, and really, you know, it, it, it kind of came from the, we were just trying to make music that we enjoyed, honestly, yeah. you know, uh, we weren't trying to fit into someone else's idea of uh, of of what we should be doing. So, um, like right from the early uh, early days, um, we started to make like it, it, at the very beginning, uh, Martin was writing a bunch of songs, and we'd make like these five song cassettes, cassette tapes, mm -hmm. little EPs and sell them at the back of the hall. Um, and little did we know that actually what we were doing was starting a record label, yeah, you know, nice. because when, um, when people approached us to say, Oh, can, you know, why don't you sign with us? And, um, like we can help you make a CD, <laughs> you know, or whatever. Um, <laughs> CD, but, you know, but, um, you know, we figured out that, okay, so we've done this so far with all these cassettes, whatever, and, you know, we can make, I don't know what it was, three pounds off a cassette or something or more. Yeah. You know, wh whereas if, if someone else did it, we'd be making like 92 pence, you know? Yeah. Or, right. um, and so it was as simple as that, really. We we just kind of kept everything under our own control. And, and in that way, um, you know, we started our own record label. We eventually had our own publishing and our own distribution as well as the band. Um, so, um, you know, it, every step along the way, it was like um, we don't have to, you know, do what everyone else is doing. We yeah. don't have to... Uh, listen uh, and be told to do something we don't want to do yeah. mm -hmm. you know so like there, there's some good things about that you know I, I would say it's mostly positive but then you've, you've got some uh, uh, 
you know, could it have been better if we'd have had a um, a Branino or a you know one, someone <laughs> alongside us? Because we were basically self-producing most of the time, um, and and had amazing people that helped us. So like for the first couple of records, Andy Piercy, who used to be in a band called After the Fire, he was like helping us produce, and then mm. you know we kind of we we was really self-producing but then you know our a and r guy from uh emi here in america um lynn nichols he 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 really got uh involved with us too and you know like we would always be working with producer engineers but also be co-producing ourselves yeah. so like we were very much in control of what what we did and yeah, so like we were listening to all the things that were inspiring us, you know, whether that was U2 or Radiohead or whoever it was. Um, and, um, um, and, you know, trying to write songs that, um, that, that, that kind of showed that inspiration. Um, and, uh, you know, whether we did or not, I don't know. Like there, we, there, there's some good stuff in our catalogue and there's some not so good stuff and what have you but um you know <laughs> sure. every band's like that oh, but yeah. um uh you know we 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 did have a lot of fun <laughs> yeah along the way so yeah. i've got a question um yeah. you said you kind of did it your way um we're not going to please people you know we're gonna we're gonna kind of keep a lot of control um mm -hmm. so what like what does a band gain from that and then what do you sacrifice i'm sure there's like gains and there's sacrifices if you had to like list them out uh, what would those be? Yeah. And pretend uh, like you're talking to people that are kind of on the cusp of maybe deciding those kinds of things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, the, the gains are things like, uh, the satisfaction of knowing that you're not compromising, mm -hmm. you know, um, the, so it's stuff like that, that you're really making it for yourselves first. Um, or, you know, like in, in terms of like the Christian gospel context, it's like, okay, so what's my expression to yeah. God? You know, it's uh -huh. like, you're, you're really kind of not compromising that. Yeah. Um, uh, the, the things that are cons are stuff like, well, perhaps, you, you know, so for instance, we made a decision, like we were all married mm -hmm. and, um, at first Karen and I were the only ones that had children, you know, we're the oldest in that, in, in that group. But, um, uh, you know, along the way children come along and it's like, okay, so we don't want to be away longer than 10 days. Mm -hmm. So we would do this whole, we'd tour the world and do, you know, I don't know, a hundred shows a year or something and, and not be away most of the time for longer than 10 days. Sometimes that would get stretched for, you know, two weeks or something, but very rarely. Sure. Um, and so, uh, we had this, uh, so when I say the cons on that are that, you know, you might, we, we were offered a tour, you know, that might have lasted three months, for instance, in America. Mm -hmm. And we turned it down because we had this principle of like not being away for longer than 10 days yeah. in any one stretch, mm -hmm. you know, and, so, and people thought we were crazy. And in terms of the, um, like we don't know what that would have done for our career, it was with a band called DC Talk, for instance, you know. Yeah. And uh, so Heard of it would have we would have got in front of a lot of people and it sure. might have like been the thing that, you know, really like put the uh, the band on the map um over here. But uh so it's stuff like that, you know, like if 
if you um i guess if you if you're highly principled and have high ideals you know you have to try and stick with them right yeah yeah stick with them when it's hard yeah yeah, yeah. and then and and also you know um we didn't really ever have an a and r we were self kind of a a a and r and so in that way like maybe some songs kind of crept through on the records that um uh, uh that that perhaps like we were so headstrong we what you know um we would you know put stuff on that perhaps if we'd have listened to a, an a and r person we might have either worked on it more or yeah. put it by the wayside yeah you know um we did have an incredible manager um who was who was involved like that and he was also a co-owner with us a guy called tony potato yeah. um who runs something called fuel music and mm-hmm. management now here in america and uh yeah he's like one of my greatest friends still my manager and uh yeah so he he was a great person in that environment but uh the band were pretty headstrong so uh <laughs> we just did whatever we wanted i hear you <laughs> and sometimes i think that's i think that's why the maybe the delirious audience is so uh happy with you guys because there was a lot of surprises you know there's a lot of things that that you guys did really well and there's also like surprises every now and then on the album or in parts yeah. of the songs yeah um the uh, something actually you know there there was no social media at this time it wasn't like what i mean the internet was just the baby thing you know and um yeah. so it was just facebook <laughs> no Facebook <laughs> before Facebook. <laughs> um, this is the 1800s, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, okay. Feels like that, doesn't it? Um, but we were doing everything with mail. You know, like oh, yeah. uh, you know, join our mailing list was literally sending your address <laughs> into our office. You know, and we our database was literally mailing out. Yeah. Oh, we've got a record coming out. Like send this card back if you want to pre-order it you know like, uh-huh. uh stuff like that so um gosh that does seem a long time ago now doesn't it yeah you can't imagine it anyway but what that did was it made the audience um like really feel a part of things yeah like we we we, we tried to um encourage our audience to uh to feel like they owned it you know yeah. and um and so that's how we managed to like get in the charts so much so yeah. you know um the radio one there's the big radio station in a big pop radio station in the uk um you know that they, they were a little bit skeptical of uh and so were the press to be honest you know a little bit skeptical of us in terms of you know, are you kind of here with this agenda? Are you coming in under the radar to kind of Billy Graham us or something? You know, Billy Graham us, um, come on. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know that I've ever heard Billy Graham used as a verb. But, um, <laughs> Billy Graham. You did it. You, it's yours now. I mean, you trademarked it. Yeah. Uh. So, um, uh, you know, uh, there, there was a little bit of skepticism. And so, um, you know, and we... In fact, uh, I'm like rabbit trailing all over the place here. Oh, but no, I love it. You know, there's a record that in the UK was called Audio Lesson Over. Okay. And uh, it, over here it was called Touch. Um, Those are two very different names. Wait, they right. had two names? <laughs> yeah, it had two names. Yeah, because. Um, this is a delirious in, record? Yes. 
Yeah. Audio it's lesson Josh, over, and then it was yeah, called it's, Touch. Yeah, it's Josh Scott's favorite record. You Very, should have, actually have a listen to it. It's it's, it's pretty amazing. Okay. A- anyway, so Audio Lesson Over was um, uh, an anagram of Radio One Loves Us. Yeah. And uh, which, of course, you know, was like a bit cynical. And, um, uh, <laughs> but, you know, all our fans, uh, yeah. and, uh, they, they loved that. So, like, they would, like, make sure that our records charted. You know, they'd all go out and buy it the first <laughs> week amazing. and stuff like that, just so that it got on the radio. Or yeah, and um, and in the end, you know, like things, uh, 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 things like Q Magazine, what have you. They would review our stuff and give us great reviews. Yeah. You know, and um, and uh, like we won a lot of friends over. We did a lot of TV shows and uh, and stuff like that. And so. Um, I'm yeah. looking up when this album was. What year? Oh, let's see. It would have been like 2002, 2003, something like that. Okay. Let's see. Uh, hey, side note. I know you've got the question mark at the end of the delay. Was there ever a time where the, the question mark was the S? So it was like Deliria and then it had the question mark? Or is that uh, in my brain? I, I think that <laughs> I, I don't remember that. I'll tell you what there was, though, was we... Um, we changed the S for a five. So that's what I'm remembering. Yeah. Yeah. Delirio five, you know, yeah. Delirio five. Audio lesson over <laughs> touch. Yeah. There it is. Right after yeah. mesamorphosis. Okay. There you go. Gotcha. Yeah. Man, you guys are so cool. <laughs> that That is a good record. Like it, it would, it went over a lot of people's heads, that record, but, um, uh, yeah. you listen to it now. It's unbelievable. But, um, love it yeah so um yeah we had a lot of fun and uh you know perhaps there are uh um another thing about being completely independent is that you're responsible for your own money right Uh right uh so if something's a a success it's good if it's not you've just lost a bunch of money Uh so um uh, so that's another thing that can be a con in terms of, um, uh, you know, you don't have, you're not, you haven't got a label that says, oh, here's, you know, 50 grand to make a record. Yeah. Um, uh, we've got to find that ourselves. Yeah. You know, and you could just get on, you know, Kickstarter back then, couldn't you? <laughs> and just do it that way. <laughs> there. And just post I the mean, link to your Facebook page. <laughs> What's the problem? I don't hear any problems Crazy. here. Man. Yeah. Uh, Crazy, I love it. it. Like, I guess we were crowdfunding, but just through snail mail. Dude, it's yeah. the best. <laughs> it is It is early Kickstarter. Yeah, it is literally yeah. the best. Okay, so I've got a question. Um, uh, what I want to do is, is I, I want to take the, this, a couple of groups of questions. So, uh, yeah. the, you know, the slowing down of Delirious into what you're doing now. And then yeah. I want to kind of backtrack into um, you starting guitar early on mm-hmm. and kind of what that was like before um, you were a professional musician yeah. and then uh, where you're headed. So that's that's a very Great. scattered map, but don't worry, I will keep us on track. Great. Uh, <laughs> and so how does a band decide to wind down? You know, like what mm-hmm. is that like? And, and what are the conversations like? And... And where does everybody end up? That kind of stuff. What happens there? Yeah. So, I mean, 
all all I know about is our situation. So um, we were um, in Texas playing a show, and Martin got us together and said, "Hey guys, I'm I've kind of decided that I want to leave the band." You know, um, which is and, a big yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, it, like he had five or six children at yeah. this point, and yeah. um, it was like I've just got to slow down yeah. and. Uh, um, and so, I mean, that was kind of it, but there obviously were lots of discussions and, and stuff like that. And do we carry on, um, find a new, you know, lead singer and that, yeah. that kind of went away pretty quick. Cause it, like we were so tight together, you know, sure. and, uh, um, but yeah, it's like, what do you do? So for me personally, um, what year was this that, well, he came to us in, 2008 and said that okay. um and where in texas that's the other question i can't remember oh i just remember the good. uh sitting outside in the field and uh and it was like a uh, like we were playing something like a ymca or a, or a sports hall or something and sports we hall. were outside on the field take it right. um yeah so we spent but you know like we like i said we ran we had three companies and like personally like for delirious and furious records we had including us we had 13 staff you know so it's like you can't take a semi you know truck yeah. that's going down the highway at 70 miles an hour you can't just take the keys out and let it right. you know it has to like take some time to stop right yeah so um so we actually kind of went on for another year and um we're planning on how to like what do we do with this like we were just our distribution company was distributing artists from America into, uh, you know, 95 territories around the world. Because wow. um, pretty quick, pretty early on, we kind of figured that America was kind of its own thing. You know, it's so big. And, yeah. you know, you, you, you never have to leave America if you don't want to, <laughs> you know, yeah. in terms yeah. of you, you can tour all year, you know, six months just in Texas if you want, you know. <laughs> <laughs> in places we don't even remember. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> so um, uh, we were helping people kind of get their music out into the rest of the world. And um, What were some of those, pause, what were some of those bands that you were distributing helping grow? Oh remember? gosh. I mean, I want to say we might have even done stuff with like Switchfoot and... Um, yeah. You know, Kevin Max, yeah. Toby. Um, uh, I, I, I can't really remember. Cool. Great. Uh, All right. So the bus is going 70 miles an hour. You can't just pull the keys yeah. out, you know. Yeah. And so, like, we we um, kind of did it over a year. Um, also, a good thing about that was um, that we had to figure out what we were doing. You know, um we we had a situation where um as a band we were paying ourselves a salary we didn't like take our royalties if you like uh -huh. uh from writing songs like everything that was offered delirious master went back into the company and we we paid salaries and that was how we were able to you know have a staff and how we were able to go for so long you know yeah um so uh, but after 17 years, it's like, well, what am I going to do, you know? Mm -hmm. And so for me personally, 
um, you know, I, I, I knew that I didn't really want to hang my guitar up, you know, and uh, go back to being an electrician, which is what I was uh, when I first left school. Oh. Um, and um, so every time we came to America um, over, the, over 2008 um, and through 2009, our last concert was November of 2009. Okay. Um, and uh, every time we came here, I uh, like would stay out for a few more days and and uh, you know reconnect with people that I'd met over the years mm -hmm. in the business, uh, other artists, and uh, and you know ended up doing some writing or some playing, and um, and little by little, um, you know most of my work started to come from America, and um, uh, to the point where. I actually brought my family over one Easter, my wife and two girls, Easter of 2010, with the intention of like, oh, do we do we find an apartment or something? You know, do we buy a flat or rent a flat yeah. in Nashville? Because, you know, every time I come, I might come for a couple of weeks, but um, I'm relying on people's kindness and their yeah. couches or their spare rooms, you yeah. know, and... Um, and that was actually a really sweet time, and a lot came out of that for me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But anyway, we, we we thought, do we, you know, have a little bit of a base here? And so our intention was to find some place to rent, you know. <clears throat> and uh, while we were here on that Easter, um, the Icelandic volcano erupted. That, oh, yeah, I remember that. That spewed all that stuff into the atmosphere, uh -huh, and yeah. it shut down all transatlantic flights. And so we ended up being here for an extra week, and yeah. in that time, we bought our house, bought our first house here. Wow! Um, yeah. <laughs> and what so year was that? Of, that was twenty ten. Okay, gotcha. Twenty ten. Yeah. That's awesome. Okay, so you bought a flat in Nashville, bought a house in Nashville. In yeah, 2010. we ended up buying a house. Yeah. Um, so you yeah. you must have felt some kind of uh, like security in in work coming towards you to yeah. to put your roots down. Like, who were you working with? What was kind of the yeah the new wave that, that allowed you mm. to do that? So the, um, uh, a major part of that was, uh, meeting, um, a songwriter here in town called Jason Ingram and, um, and Paul Mabry, uh, yeah. drummer extraordinaire and producer extraordinaire. So, um, uh, so this was 2010. Um, I'm, I actually probably met them before that, but, um, uh, Jason introduced me to um, Holly Zabka, who's a publisher with Essential here in uh, actually in Franklin, and um, and so they offered me a publishing deal. I ended up going with that, and then Jason and Paul and I we started something called One Sonic Society, and um, and that was a, a, a music project. Uh, the three of us and so that was really like that that hub was like uh something that was really solid and i was getting a lot of work through that yeah okay yeah gotcha. but the the songwriting thing you asked earlier like what songwriting looked like so for in in delirious and um you know so martin and i uh we we predominantly wrote the songs and um you know we'd be gathering our ideas all year long writing little bits and pieces but like we we would wait to get to the end of the year 
most of the time, you know, in sort of like November, December, and we'd get together and pull all our pieces together and uh, end up writing, you know, you know, a bunch of songs. And then January, February, we'd start to kind of share them with the other guys and then, and then record. And that was like our rhythm. Um, but moving here to Nashville um, and getting a publishing deal where, um, you know, you might have two sessions a day in a room somewhere and, uh, you know, you get in there at 10 and you, you leave at two, then you go to your next one. And, um, you know, I remember the very first week I was so excited about it. And the very first week I ever did that, you know, I had like a whole week of writing like that, two sessions a day yeah. <laughs> and I got to Wednesday and I was completely burnt out. Yeah. You know, uh, <laughs> uh, because it, it, uh, the way I'd, I, I hadn't ha- had that discipline before, it just like we'd write when the inspiration struck, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. And, um, you know, we'd have a deadline. We'd know that we needed to write for a record, but it's like, you know, we only needed, uh, you know, 15 songs to choose 10 or 12 yeah. from, you know, whereas, you know, when you're writing for a living, um, so there was a lot to learn, and it was a definitely like in at the deep end, yeah, steep learning circle, you know, uh, yeah. That's a yeah. And then right now, what's the bulk of your uh, time going into? Is it songwriting, helping people songwrite, or are you are you touring with artists? Are you in the studio, yeah. like you know, eighty twenty, thirty seventy, fifty fifty? Yeah, what so are you talking here. Yeah. So, um, you know, over the years, um, you know, different things have come along. I started to work with Michael W. Smith straight away, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, so <laughs> I, I, and I'm a part of his touring bad now. Um, we had a very busy first half of this year, um, actually. And, um, uh, so I, and I love doing that. So like I tour with Michael W. Smith. Yeah. Are you breaking your 10 um, day rule with Michael? Oh yeah, I mean, yeah, I I do break that a little bit right, sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. I guess the kids are older yeah. now. You know? Thirty, yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's, it's a bit different 30s, now. Yeah. Um, and uh, what you know, the most amazing thing about that is that we, uh, I don't know, there's lots of amazing things. The most amazing thing is that I'm still touring. Yeah. You know, yeah, and I still feel because I I didn't th- there was no guarantees that. I would ever experience that kind of thing again, you know, getting yeah. a, on a tour bus or getting on a plane. And, uh, I think the other guys just can't understand why I'm so excited when, <laughs> when I get to an airport or when I get on a bus, you know, it's like, yeah. uh, but I, I feel like I didn't, there was no guarantees that this would continue. Oh. And I absolutely love it. Like it's, I, yeah. I really love it. So, um, uh, and, um, uh, you know, I get to tour with other people too. Earlier this year, one of the highlights of the last couple of years was I got to tour with Cody Carnes and Carrie Job and Martin. So Martin yeah, from Delirious, awesome. like we got to do ten dates together, and uh, it was a real blast. It was really fantastic. So, um, so I would say touring is half the year, you know, yeah. and then or half my half my income for the year. Yeah. Maybe is a better way of putting that. And then um, I would say writing is like maybe thirty percent of the uh, of, of the rest of my time, yeah. you know. And then 
Oh, uh, no, maybe 25, and then 25 is doing sessions. Sure. So um, uh, I have this amazing studio here. Mm-hmm. Uh, we moved um, to a house uh, with a basement, which is what I'm sitting in now. Yeah. Um, and I have uh, an incredible amp room just next door um, that's totally isolated from the rest of the house. So all my amps are in there. And, oh, man. Um, uh, so I do that. Um, yeah. And then... You know, as a player, um, the I had a little bit of um, uh, what do you say it? Uh, a little, uh, a little bit of weight. A name you for know, yourself. Influence, maybe. Influence. Right? Influence. You know, yeah, from uh, from Delirious, and sure. so I've been able to, um, you know, I, I made the kilt pedal with Josh at, at mm-hmm. JHS. Well, I was going to bring that up about how that's probably most of your income is kilt royalties. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. Yeah. So, um, uh, and, um, then, you know, I've got some amazing amps, right? So, um, uh, that I brought over from the UK. Yeah. Um, and, um, there's a company called Tone Junkie HW. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. Um, and, uh, so we've made, you know, Kemper presets and IRs, impulse responses and stuff for Helix and all that oh, kind yeah. of stuff. Oh, yeah. And, um, using my, uh, my cabinets and things like that, I, I've just d- doing a, um, uh, an, entering a new arrangement with two notes, audio and oh, rev cool. amps. Um, their, their thing is a little bit different with Jeez. this dynamic cabinet thing, virtual yeah. cabinets. And, um, which is unbelievable. And so, um, you know, we've just like shot a load of my cabinets at at Blackbird Studios in Nashville, which is amazing. Yeah. Um, but I have to show you this and I've, I've, I've got it right beside my chair. So I have to get up. I got it. it? But it's this. So. (laughs) Oh, look at that. Oh yeah. Look at that right there. Right. So the ACS one and the canvas. DI, I absolutely love this. Oh, good. Like, really love it. So it goes in a little uh, pedal train case, and I carry it on. Uh, I take this everywhere we go. Um, And, you know, because um, if, uh, you know, backline, when you're not using your, your own stuff, um, and even when you are, you, you're not guaranteed that somebody's not going to go wrong, right? So yeah, um, right. Uh, this is always there, lives on top of my rack or whatever, and it's just a super fast, um, uh, you know, plug-in situation yeah. if, if something goes. And I've got my own IRs for this. Um, oh, uh, so fun. I have... Um, Send it to me. The, so, yeah, I will, yeah. <laughs> yeah. A, a, so ABC, so A is my... Uh, I want to say that A is, uh, I can't even remember now, but uh, uh, my Benson Monarch. Oh, uh yeah. And I have, uh, so, um, what I love about this unit is that, uh, is that you can have, um, you know, different IR on each side, you know? Yeah. And so, um, so I have the, my Monarch US and Monarch UK on different sides. And then I have my There pot. you go. You are, we are just talking the same language. This is really great. Keep going. 
I love yeah, this. Then the, my park, which is my favorite out of all time. Yeah, yeah. Um, which was it, it, it's it, it's like a Marshall. It's got a solid state rectifier. Uh, it's fifty watt combo. Um, Big but boy. But it's just it's just old and it's yeah. it's like um, one of the best cabinets uh, I've got. Yeah. Got seventies black backs in there. Uh, anyway, so uh, that is in the um, uh, in the London. Uh, yeah. setting um and i have um again there's like bright and normal channel so again yeah. you know i've got the ir on one side and the, the, they're different irs and then um and then my 62 ac30 um is in the dartford no big very cool and uh <laughs> that uh, and again i've got um bright channel and normal channel so yeah um i don't uh you know normally Back in the delirious day, I would have like you know a Marshall and Vox style. So like yeah. it, my my park is actually you really playing quite boxy. stereo with delirious. You know, back in the day. Yeah, in fact, okay. I would have two microphones on each cabinet, on each mono cabinet. So like, um, it would be more of a like it started out as a blend, uh -huh. and then you know once the uh, once I got into um, uh, once I got the DL four. Back in the day when it first came out, yeah, uh -huh. you know, the using the st stereo delay was yeah. like, oh wow, that actually sounds really good. So yeah, um, so it's stereo when there's a stereo effect, yeah, but um, it's a blend, yeah, but not. And so we would put, we would pan, we wouldn't pan each amp left and right. They would both be left and right, wow, um, with two microphones on each cab. And, uh, but it big. would just get bigger. It yeah. would yeah. just get bigger. So I feel, you know, with, I with feel delirious, the bigness yeah. <laughs> of that whole setup. So uh, anyway, all that to say, um, I love this setup. Also, um, I can use that with my pedal board if we're doing an orchestra show. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. You know, it's it's kind of a, it's an easier solution than taking my Kemper rack, which sounds amazing. But um, It should. This um, is so much easier to carry around. Yeah. Um, and then, if I can say one more thing about the ACS one, oh yeah, go for which it. Which I absolutely Just love. Please. Have the floor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is that I love how it takes uh, effects in the front. So I've always uh, I'm a little bit like the edge in this respect, where I don't use um, um, effects loops or anything in uh, at the amps. You know, yeah. I. I, everything's in the front. I like. I love the way that yeah. um, delays, especially sound in the going in the front. Me too. So, uh, but on a lot of modeling, um, Kemper and Helix alike, um, the, if there's you, you've got more gain from the model, uh -huh. um, it makes the uh reverbs and delays really bloom and kind of it can it, it can really yeah. overpower mm -hmm. uh the the sound and you're always like oh, i've got to dial that back or whatever um anyway the acs1 takes delays and reverbs in the front really well oh. for my ears well great hey and uh, that's encouraging it. to hear uh because that's how i have it set up also i um, yeah. So I am like a C level, you know, C level guitar player. 
Uh, I've seen your videos. Yeah, so, I would say you're like a bit higher than uh, C. Okay. <laughs> keep going, keep going. I need to hear. Uh, no, but um, but I th- I feel like um, running all the wet effects, like you know, post amp or effects loop. You know, for it's for me, it's a little bit less forgiveness. Um, and uh, and I kind of like I like kind of like running it uh, straight all into the amp. I feel like it's a little bit. It feels a little bit more organic. It's a little bit more emotional, and uh, it is just in general, like it is a little bit more forgiving at the same time. Yeah. So I do, <laughs> I do like, I can hide just 3% more, you know, than I could if it was <laughs> running the other way. Uh, okay. And then are you running the, the kilt? Are you running the kilt through that? You know, are you, is kilt yeah. like always on or, or how to, no, it's not always on, not always like, on, but uh, like, is it always on the board? I mean, oh yes, 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 yes. Oh, you gotta um, have it. Yeah, it's a yeah, cool. So, it's a great pedal. I love mine. Thank you, personally. Oh, thanks. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I love the kilt. Um, so that uh, came from. I, I used to use the uh, Expandora pedals. Yeah. Uh, with Delirious, I'd, I'd have. I mean, I had four in total, but um, like two would be on my board, and I'd have like um, you know one set for um, like over overdrive stroke distortion, and then the other in that sort of uh fuzz mode and um uh so and that's how i use it now so the the version two kill has two switches uh, so it has or does it have it has it has two switch two gain switches okay yeah that's yeah yeah and so gain uh if they're both kind of down and off um that's like crunch type sound um and then if if gain one is on that is like overdrive distortion yeah if uh, if the uh if gain two is on on its own it's like high gain mm-hmm. um and then if gain one and gain two are on it kind of it, it was so, it was always called the forbidden mode because yeah. <laughs> it was never spoken about on their instructions because <laughs> i think they just thought that they that people wouldn't like it you know but it's fuzz basically it's like spitty fuzz oh fuzz. you betcha it is and oh, um so that yeah, it's, it's a really cool pedal. So um, version two, I have the um, uh, I, I have gain one. So it's like my it, it's almost like a a lead mode. Or or um, if I'm uh, doing a song like the Smitty's song Secret Ambition, it's like the the sort of drive that is the yeah. mm-hmm. you know the the kind of distorted drive sound. Um, but then the red remote will turn on G t- the gain two as well and and so it turns it into a fuzz and so yeah i think it's a really versatile pedal yeah well i do too it is it's and it's an industry favorite it's kind of a secret weapon you know whenever yeah. you can design one of those secret weapons uh yeah you know you're in good spot uh, i hate man i just really hate when josh has a good idea it just, it just yeah. beats me alive <laughs> um i'll tell you what so though, great um i really enjoyed the oh i enjoy the iron horse oh yeah it it does a similar thing for me um in terms of that sort of more so you know i think that we us guitar players get a little bit tripped over on the transparent overdrive thing you know it's like um (laughs) what do you say i said don't get me started but yeah (laughs) it's like why if, if i want this is just my opinion. Uh-huh. If I turn on a pedal, I want to hear it. I want to hear it make a sound. I want to uh-huh. hear it change 
change the tone. Yeah. I'm not necessarily, I mean, you know, I, un, I, I think what people are meaning by that is that they don't want any of the clarity to go away or the, yeah. the they, they don't want the high end to disappear like or the spank of the guitar, you know? Yeah. It is, yeah. It's, um, so I, I understand yeah. what, what, what that means, but also it doesn't stop me using my full drive too, which, you yeah. know, <laughs> Yeah. kind of changes the tone of the guitar it does you know or or um the the kilt on uh or the iron horse it's like it's a distortion pedal like right. mm -hmm. i literally want it to do something <laughs> that is uh yeah. that makes it sound different you know totally um so anyway that's little beef no that no i think it's really <laughs> helpful and uh, we get you know get a lot of those comments and things like that and i just like hey i just want to be like hey just just play guitar, you know, like just yeah. quit worrying about it and practice and get better and write better songs, you know, yeah, quit. Right. I think, um, and you know, I get burned out on this, just being in the gear industry sometimes, you know, I think when people, unless uh, I do, I do have a passion for a great tone, right? Great yes. tone is super important, but it, great tone is great tone is, uh, a, a hallway, to get to a better place, you know, yeah. great tone is not the final room that we're trying to get to. Mm. Uh, tone is tone is a, it's a paintbrush. It's not the painting. And so I get frustrated with conversation conversations with, you know, maybe in cut with customers or partners and things like that, where, where people do treat the gear as the goal, you know? And, and in reality, it's like, dude, like gear, gear is not the goal. Tone is not yeah. the goal. The song is the goal and the song isn't even the goal the moment is the goal the moment mm. that the yeah. song creates is the goal mm. and even the song itself a lot of time is the vessel on on where we're trying to go and so tone mm. is tone's just a stair step man <laughs> and if tone's the goal yeah. like you've lost the war you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> but it, you do have to spend you do got it is important you know because if yeah if the way you got there is really lazy and not great no yeah. one's going to want to listen to your moment <laughs> <laughs> right. So, yeah. Yeah. I no, I'm with you. I I think, you know, that moment is where connection happens. Yeah. You know, it's where the listener is connected to you as a writer or a uh, you know, singer or whatever you are at, at yeah. that at that at that moment. That's a that's a good way of putting it. The moment. I like that. I like that. It's a paintbrush. Yeah, yeah. Because sometimes, you know, you hear amazing sounds. Like, I I can remember, like, I could list out, like, 10 albums where, like, my my sound life changed, you yeah. know? And then, uh, you know, like, one of those is when I heard, uh, you know, Blake Mills' Hi-Ho record, you know? Like, my sound life changed with that record in a new way. But then I buy a lot of that stuff, and then, like, you know, I mean, I don't, I'm not creating that moment. Just because I have the tools doesn't mm -hmm. mean I am... Yeah. not creating that moment you got to have yeah. the song you got to have the part yeah. and then the moment comes from from those kind of things yes that's good which I comes from practice and creativity yeah. that's what that's the <laughs> yeah. most important thing so i've got a moment story then that that goes back to like how i started playing guitar yeah um so uh, as a teenager or early teenager i was uh i wanted to be a drummer and uh, i had a had a drum set and my my parents had uh you know paid for me to get some lessons and stuff like that and then um i started work uh when i was 16 i left high school and started an apprenticeship 
in uh, to be become an electrician, uh-huh. and I couldn't believe that I was like getting twenty eight pound a week or whatever it was when I on, started. Man. And it's so, raining. It is I raining. Know. <laughs> I know. And uh, um, and so every week, like my favorite band in the world, the band that made me fall in love with music was Queen, and so yeah. um, I only had uh, tapes. And uh, like mixtapes of uh, that people would make me of their records, and um, so what I did the first three weeks of me earning any money was I went to the record store, and uh, I'd buy three Queen albums a week until I got their whole uh, up to that point got their collection, and they yeah. had nine nine records, so it was like you know three, whatever. Yeah, so anyway. into the goal. It's good. <laughs> yeah. So I went in one day um, after this, and uh, the guy in the record store, it was called Parrot Records, and it's in Ipswich, and uh, he said to me, hey, Queen have got a new record out. Do you want to listen to it? So I said, yeah. And uh, so I put the headphones on, put the LP on the you know record player, and, and it was Queen Live Killers. Okay. And um, the opening track is like, is a fast rock and roll version of we will rock you right yeah and uh as soon as i heard it it was like i want to be brian may (laughs) (laughs) like i don't just want to like get this record i want to be that guy yeah yeah and uh so i went home talked to my parents we ended up selling uh uh, drum kit that I had and my dad took me to this store called Whitmore's Music up on the it's called Norwich Road in uh, in Ipswich yeah. and uh, and I'll never forget it we bought a um, like a copy of a Gibson Melody Maker I mean I didn't know what it was sure and uh, what color um, was it that was probably what was most important it was sunburst it yeah, was like great. Yeah. Um, black <laughs> Uh, like black on the outside, yeah, yeah, yeah. Red, red and yellow. Red, you know, red to uh-huh. yellow to black or whatever yeah, yeah, yeah. it was. Um, and um, and a little five watt practice amp, which, interestingly enough, was made by a company called JHS. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> Honestly, yeah, yeah. and uh, uh, distributed by Rose Morris in the UK. Yeah. So. Um, uh, I had that, and I figured out that I could get that Brian May tone. Or um, I was also into uh, Boston at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I could get that that sort of Brian May stroke, Boston, Tom Schultz type yeah. tone. If I turned the, if I turned every knob on full on the amp, yeah. <laughs> put it upside down or face down on my bed, and put the duvet <laughs> over the top. So it wasn't too loud, but it kind of distorted. <laughs> so, That's amazing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so anyway, that's it. So that that moment from then on, like the the very first song I learned to play on the guitar was um, uh, "I'm in Love with My Car" by Queen. Yeah, and then um, uh, and then my parents got me lessons. Yeah, uh, with a local tutor, and uh, I did that for about eighteen months. Yeah, and. Um, like he kind of sacked me he fired me after 18 months because yeah. he was teaching me classical guitar um a, a classical piece and i was supposed to be reading it um he was teaching me how to read music but 
he would play it as an example and then I'd go home and remember it and like <laughs> practice and practice and practice, uh -huh. not read. Yeah. And, uh, and so he, like one day we sat down, I'll never forget it. It was the song, it, it was Cavatina and it's a piece from the deer hunter, the theme for the deer hunter film. And, um, uh, he was turning the pages in the wrong place and I was just, playing it perfectly <laughs> he was testing yeah. what a guy he was testing me and oh, then he fired me he, well he said i don't think i can teach you anymore that oh was it. man what an yeah. ipswich way to fire somebody <laughs> i don't think i can yeah. teach you anymore yeah <laughs> so did you uh, learn to read that. music after that or? but that I, I no. I wish I'd. I, I wish I'd stuck with it. Honestly, huh. um, don't we all? Yeah, I mean. But, um, but um, later on, I did go to the Guitar Institute in London. Mm -hmm. uh, that was started by a guy who was a roommate of Frank Gambale and whatever MIT or whatever they had or Guitar yeah. Institute in uh, in Los Angeles. Anyway, um, but to your point, that moment of hearing Brian May play yeah. guitar was the thing that made me want to play. And so I was a late starter in some respects, you know, I was 16 years old and, um, uh, and that was it. I was in love. The, the next time I had one of those moments was the first time I heard the bends by Radiohead. Yeah. The and, bends. uh, um, and it completely stopped me in my tracks and, and, and kind of made me change direction. Yeah, uh -huh. you know, um, it so yeah, yeah. It's that's a that it, what is it? Planet Telex. It's like opening track uh -huh. on that album. It's just, I mean, the delay and the tremolo and just like in yeah. the the drums the clipping. It's just like yeah, you know. Oh, it's no. just it is such a powerful yes. track that I mean, it, it if is. anybody who's listened to it has been changed forever, and if you haven't been changed, you just haven't listened to it. That's the thing. It, it, <laughs> it, it takes it takes no prisoners, you know. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a brilliant record. Everything on the floor. And, and I, I love that you said Queen. Um, I feel like Queen gets caught up a little bit, kind of in the in the the pop icon, uh, mm -hmm. you know, brand, kind of like in the. I'm going to be mean, some, sort of, but kind of like in these bands like Kiss and ACDC that have that aren't just bands anymore; they're brands. Yeah, you know, and I, I feel like a lot gets missed specifically with Queen because there is some some very some significant innovation happening yeah. uh, on a lot of those records. Uh, there's yeah. no wasted space. Freddie Mercury is by far like the best rock yeah. vocalist of all time. Yeah, greatest frontman. Uh, yeah, and 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 yeah, I feel like you know it kind of gets you know we get we get we are the championed out and and we will rock yeah. you and it's kind of like there's no there's some really influential stuff that you could write a whole college degree, a master class on and <laughs> yes. stuff that wasn't ever on the radio, you know? Right. So, which I'm glad you're smart and you understand that. So <laughs> it makes it really great. So, well, yes, yeah. I, I don't have a dissertation on it, but can was, you get one? <laughs> was was Queen know. one of the bands that wasn't cool to like in their heyday? I don't think uh, so. No, I mean, I, <laughs> I would say that the, they were, they were very popular, but they, I mean, they Every band has their story of like, you know, it taking so long to make it. You uh -huh. know, mm -hmm. like we, you, you, you might love a band's first and second album, but you know, when you then read years later, oh, they didn't actually have a hit until 
you know, the f- fourth record or whatever yeah. it is. You know, yeah. it's like it's a slog, isn't it? And <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Well, hey, thank you for being on the podcast today. Oh, I really that's great. appreciate it. This was uh, we got to some really sp- some sweet spaces. And I'm, right. I'm glad for but, it. So thanks for having me. I loved it. Yeah, and thanks you, for making such great stuff. Yeah, it's all for you, bud. <laughs> it's all for you. Uh, if you want to support and follow Stu G, you can go to Tone Junkie, buy his stuff. You can go to JHS and buy a kilt. You can go to, uh, you can see him on tour with Michael W. Smith. You can buy old Delirious records. You can do a lot of things. So, uh, did I miss anything? Probably a lot. No, it's great. Okay, awesome. Thanks for being on the show today, man. Yeah, I really appreciate you. you. I really appreciate it too. Thank you. <laughs>